Hello, this is Peter Joseph, and you're listening to V Radio. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the V Radio Christmas Special. <laughs> Sorry, I, I couldn't help myself. Um, today I have some uh, um, panelists who've been with me for different shows of different periods, and we're going to be discussing the topic that I brought up during my blog, um, which is still currently a bit of a, a subject of controversy on the Zeitgeist Movement Facebook page as we speak. But um, uh, I'm going to introduce each one of my um, panelists today, and I'm going to actually have them introduce themselves a little bit, so you might, you know, for those of you who haven't heard their voices before. They can do so now. So I'm going to start with Chibi because I know this is his least favorite part of the broadcast. Yeah. Hello, everyone. This is Chibi. Right. Um, next in line is uh, Gregory, also known as Thunder, from uh, ZBN Live as well as uh, Z Radio. Go ahead and introduce yourself, Gregory. Hello, everybody. It's Thunder. You know me. Right. And um, finally, uh, a guest that I've had on multiple occasions here on V Radio is Aaron, also known as Stormclouds Gathering from YouTube. Go ahead and introduce yourself, Aaron. Hello, everybody. Glad to be here for these for this festive day. <laughs> for, for having us on, I really, literally, was doing nothing today. <laughs> nothing. Um, we're the lost souls. Yeah, playing, we're he's playing video games. How pathetic is that? Well, well, that's just it. I mean, it's it is just another day. In fact, you know, as an atheist, I found myself kind of annoyed with the fact that I wanted to go to the store and buy some stuff, and everything is closed. Um, you know, because those crazy people think that this is a special day. But um, in any case, I, I don't mean to be so cruel. But um, what I wanted to discuss today, ironically, um, for those of you who might have listened to some of my previous broadcasts, and um, uh, once again, I'm going to put a little plug up there that. Uh, when I upload a, a podcast from that I had recorded somewhere like off in the field, whether it's at an Occupy event or a different protest, that it doesn't send out emails to everyone when I make those when I upload those podcasts. So be sure that you check back through the V Radio archives uh, to find um, uh, one of the shows. Particularly, I'm going to be talking about is Thoughts on Thanksgiving, which is a brief little kind of self-recording show I did when I was sitting at a Thanksgiving um, party that I had been invited to and realized how different my outlook on things like that was and how alien it felt to me to be sitting there. Um, but you can find that along with a lot of other pre-recorded shows uh, at, at my website. So um, Now, uh, that being said, um, I'm going to go ahead and um, get into this blog. For those of you who are, would like to read along with us, um, you can find it at, by going to my website, v-radio.org, um, and clicking blog. Um, seems as though my Adobe Flash plugin has crashed, so for those of you in chat, I'll try to get back to you as soon as I can. Um, in the meantime, I'm going to go ahead and uh, drop the link to this, but if you go to the, as I said, v-radio.org, there, we got it going again, um, you can find the blog there. And the reason why it's probably important is that in order to understand the, the picture that started this conversation, uh, you could go to the blog and see the picture there. The picture is called Define Necessity. Um, and uh, when you see the picture, it's kind of self-explanatory. Um, in fact, I'll drop that link here to all the panelists as well here in the Skype chat so that you get an idea of what it is we're looking at. But um, you see a small... Uh, African child lying in the dust, um, obviously starving to death, obviously emaciated, and uh, next to a picture of a typical um, Western Christmas, complete with Christmas tree, 
uh, all the decorations and you know piles of gifts under the tree, and it says define necessity. Um, so, first of all, I want to ask you know before we get started with the reading, um, if you know if anybody in the panelists want to comment on how this particular picture makes them feel, I'll start with you, Chibi. Uh. Well, uh, it's obviously sickening. Uh, I mean, it, it doesn't catch me off guard, though. Uh, I'm used to thinking rather negative, as, as those who know me know. So <laughs> to me, I see it and I say, yeah, yeah, that, that figures. I know. So uh, it, it's sickening, and uh, I'm not trying to take it for granted either, but uh, I certainly don't live that lifestyle on the right. Um, I don't know. Then again, to the next person. Oh, right. Well, like you said earlier, you never really lived that lifestyle from the beginning, although right. you were at least never on the left there. Um, it's actually kind of ironic that, that, that we're saying this, but it's the one on the left versus the one on the right. <laughs> I just kind of made that yeah. subtle connection, um, you know, like as to what, uh, you know, what people would say, you know, someone's priorities would be on Christmas. But um, that being said, I mean, we've always, always said that left and right is kind of BS anyway, but... Um, I'm going to move on to you, Thunder. What kind of um, feelings, thoughts do you have when you look at that picture? Yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat with Chibi. I'm not surprised, I mean, because I'm so aware of what is going on on this planet, but that doesn't make it sicken me any less. Um, just, I mean, you can't even open a web page on the net now without seeing something about a holiday gift, advice on what to buy, where to, I mean, it's just, it's, this culture is so consumer-driven, and uh, that picture on the right is the you know the uh, quintessential image of where we've gone in this culture. For sure, um, Aaron. Yeah, I mean, I don't actually even need the picture really to get that kind of feeling. I mean, Christmas is is really. A very difficult time for me every year, no matter where I am. But here, it's kind of accentuated because everybody's, you know, celebrating over this diseased goose liver. You know, it's like, oh, this is great. You know, like, well, did you know they freaking tortured that duck? It's like just on top of the oysters and on top of the actual goose and on top of the, you know, pizza and on top of all these things, just layered upon layer to layer of just extravagance. I I find it disturbing regardless of the, the people who don't have enough because it, to me there's a lot of suffering that goes on just to get that food. You know, there's, there's, there's a destructive side to just overconsumption regardless. Uh, so, I mean, I find that you know, I was looking at YouTube today, and I saw like the um, epic meal time, and that that show. I mean, I know I'm so, some people probably find it amusing, but to me, it's highly disturbing to see them just basically playing with food when it has, you know, a cost, like a real cost behind it. Like this year, apparently, like I didn't actually watch the video, but I saw like the thumbnail, and it was like a 200,000 calorie bacon Christmas tree he made. Oh. Like, Oh, it's, it's. I mean, that's me. That gives gives me just because I know what it, what goes into that. So that's my thought on it. That's well. Think of the Muslims, man. 
Yeah. Oh, look at that pork. See, they're they're erecting images in pork. You know, yeah, they, I'm sure they really loved that. Um, that definitely well, would not a, be very kosher for Hanukkah either. See, I'm vegetarian, so I'd probably get a, a little bit more visceral reaction. I'm not sure which who would re- react more. <laughs> <laughs> no, for sure, for sure. Well, the reason that I brought this up is that um, <clears throat> I've actually shared this picture in the past, and I brought it up during the course of the Thoughts on Thanksgiving broadcast. And um, uh, I did not expect this, but when we shared it in the Zeitgeist Movement um, uh, Facebook group, uh, I mean, there was a there was a crapload of likes and the crapload of shares, you know, hundreds and hundreds, which which is what I expected. What I didn't expect was people to say things like, "Hey, man, you know, I support what you're saying, but why did you post this on Christmas?" You know, as if there was a better time to do I it. Know. <laughs> <laughs> what more appropriate time would there be? Right. You know, a week after Christmas when, you know, the controversy is dying. Maybe on, maybe on the Black Friday uh, after Thanksgiving when everyone went nuts and beat the crap out of each other for the best we're, deal. Yeah, we're actually going to get into that in the later half of the show, um, you know, for sure, because I, I have a lot of details about that because it got really, really out of hand. Um, but, and, and to death, that's the other thing, is very much to death. There have been fatalities over Black Friday, as ridiculous as that is, but we'll get into that later now. Um, and I and I get it. I understand where some people are coming from. There are people who, you know, they still kind of, they still have these traditions linked to them, and they still have fond memories of these traditions. And and I can't fault them for that. Uh, you know, I went through the same thing with a lot of different traditions of my own that I eventually shed after I recognized that I didn't really value the things that those traditions were about anymore. But it was definitely a a personal transformation for myself, and I think that these people kind of felt oppressed, maybe that you know that I was challenging them on that. Um, and it is, you know, it was kind of an impulsive activist moment for me that I don't normally have. I usually leave that stuff for people like Charlie Veach. <laughs> but um, but I just I kind of I was sitting here in my house by myself because I don't celebrate Christmas. Um, and you know everyone else does and i get that and there's nothing wrong with that and it but it's just like when i was at the thanksgiving party i was not you know i was invited by you know people and they and they were for the most part nice but i just it was hard for me to sit in in a room with those people thinking along that line and being in that value system again it was very strange to me like i couldn't be part of that anymore and i realized cuz i was invited again to go to christmas and i was like well <laughs> No, thank you. You know, I I was very nice about it, but I knew what would happen to me. I mean, I was so overcome with it during Thanksgiving that I literally had to just go grab my MP3 recorder and go to a private room and talk about what I was feeling. Um, And so we're going to talk a little bit about that today, but I'm going to go ahead and start reading from the blog um, without trying to... uh, recover everything I just said. Picture of the starving, yep, okay. So I decided to share the photo again. I was not surprised many people clicked like on the photo, but was also surprised that a few people very loudly protested the photo being posted on Christmas. A couple of comments that come to mind. Hey man, I support TZM, but why would you post this on Christmas? And then the second one was, lighten the F up. Xmas is the only day of the year when you and your family can feel free. TVP really needs to reevaluate some stuff. Um... There were some other comments that were even less polite, and the conversation is still going on there. I found it interesting that people would still be protective of their feelings about Christmas. My point in posting this, just as my points that I made during the Thoughts on Thanksgiving episode, is to try and pair up two realities that people usually refuse to link. 
and that is that we are doing so well in the first world, usually at the expense of the people in the third world. People do not want to be reminded that there are people doing terribly in other countries because we are doing so well in the West or in more wealthy countries of the world. The people who were upset with me mostly seem to be angry that I rattled their cage and want to be left alone in the bubble they put themselves in. They do not want to face that they constantly turn their backs and the economic reality that there, that there are people not only doing worse than they are, that are doing absolutely horribly. Um, later on in the conversation of the Facebook group, one of them said that he didn't like that this was happening, but that he lived a hard life working for his boss at home and all that, so therefore it was okay that he practiced Christmas. I have a feeling the boy in the picture would happily trade his life of not having anything anything at all or the ability to work to get anything for the drudgery of wage slavery that most people in the West are so hounded by. The holidays are a time when we are the most brainwashed by the advertising of this consumer culture, and the notion that we somehow feel free then is absurd. So I decided to talk about Christmas and really dig into the issue. So there are two major elements to this issue I wanted to touch on. The first would be the religious aspect, and the second would be the consumerist aspect. The two are linked in many ways, but both deserve their own attention. I recently found a video called, Why Was Christmas Banned in America Until 1820? The video was posted by a Christian who was no doubt part of the very few Christian sects that do not practice Christmas, Halloween, etc. Most of these Christians are upset that the holiday is not being celebrated with enough emphasis on Christ's birth. The problem is that the holiday was designed from the start to attempt to attract pagans to Christianity and that Christ was, according to the Bible, born in the spring anyway. The same can be said of the Easter bunny and Easter eggs being fertility symbols and being used during the spring festival of fertility. Not to mention, or I'm sorry, no mention of using rabbits or eggs in remembrance of Christ rising from the dead can be found in the Bible. Point of fact, the majority of holidays practiced in the supposedly Christian West all have pagan origins. The truth is, Christianity is kind of boring. You will notice that virtually every symbol that is used to celebrate Christmas is not in any way related to anything biblical. At no point does any of the prophets or other supposedly divine-influenced individuals in the Bible even suggest a holiday for the birth of Christ. There are many holidays practiced by pagans around the same time as what we understand to be Christmas, however, including the birth of the sun god Mithra. And in fact, some of the practices that are seen in most Christian homes that are supposedly about Christmas are even pointed out as something Christians should not be doing at all. This quote taken directly from the King James Version of the Bible, Jeremiah, Jeremiah chapter 10, um, verses 2 through 5. Uh, Thus saith the Lord, learn not the way of the heathen, and be not dismayed at the signs of heaven, for the heathen are dismayed at them. For the customs of the people are vain, for one cutteth a tree out of the forest and work of the, work of the hands of the workmen with the axe. They deck it with silver and gold. They fasten it with nails and with hammers, that it move not. They are upright as the palm tree, but speak not. They must, uh, they must needs be born, because they cannot go. Be not afraid of them, for they cannot do evil, neither also is it in them to do good." So here we have a tradition honored by Christians all over the world, despite the fact that their Bible calls it out specifically as being an incorrect practice. There are many others like it. And in a further commentary on this point, I would point out that, I mean, there are songs about the tree. You know, there are songs about silver and gold. You know, it's one of the songs, that, you know, and it's specifically called out in the Bible not to do this, and they're doing it anyway. You know, um, so... Let's look at some of these other traditions. Mistletoe. In the pagan tradition, if you happen to catch a lady under mistletoe, you could pretty much have your way with her. 
In the Christian tradition, you can just give her a kiss and she is not allowed to resist. I would say that it's pretty self-explanatory as to how it is not Christian. The Yule Log. An element of the pagan holiday Yule dates back to Vikings and Norsemen. They would cut down the biggest tree they could find, drag it through the streets, and light it on fire. They would use holly to keep the fire hot. The goal was to have it burn for 12 days. During those 12 days, drunken orgies and revelry would take place, and every day a different sacrifice would be offered to their gods. Sometimes these sacrifices happen to be human beings. So consider that the next time you, your family lights up the Yule log to honor the birth of Christ. You know, deck the halls with boughs of holly. You know, and then the end of that song is, Toll the ancient Yuletide carol. So, like, they're talking about a pagan holiday, even in the carols that are supposedly about Christmas. The use of holly, wreaths, all of it is borrowed heavily from pagan traditions and has no basis in the Bible at all. There's lots of information available about this stuff, and some of it is downright grisly. The character Santa Claus is another one of the greats. His origins start out with some of, with the same fellow they were honoring when they were burning that log for 12 days, and sometimes people on it. Father Christmas, to some, he took on many forms, but at one point he also had a sidekick that was known to be a horned demon named Ruprecht. The horned demon would sometimes take off with really bad children. The horned demon eventually evolved into the reindeer, though they don't really talk about that part of it anymore. The fact that this story of the entire story of Santa Claus basically reinforces religion's tendency to scare people into behaving in whatever way the people at the top of that religious pyramid want them to should be obvious. But it goes a bit deeper than that. We are taught to lie to our children about the existence of this being. I think Aaron's going to find this one in particular funny because in the video that was playing, you know, we're going to talk about it, just read it. One of the things I found ironic in the video is that since it was made by Christians whining about how the holiday they stole in the first place was not spending enough time emphasizing on Christ, one of the arguments that they made was that those same people were complaining about this tradition of parents lying to their children about the existence of Santa Claus in an effort to control them, and that even if children are naughty or nice, kids still get the presents on Christmas morning. Hmm... Well, I certainly agree with them. Lying oh, I, up, go ahead, Aaron. <laughs> I, said, I would love to bring you some perspective there today. I was, um, you know, my my nieces and nephews—they've never been to church, so they're kind of um, indoctrinated only with Santa. So, like the oldest one, he's he's figured out the Santa's not real, and I was, you know, telling him to, to yesterday. I was like, uh, you know, you know how Santa's not real, and all. You know, there's some people who actually believe that. There's a God, and just like you believed in Santa, and he, he just the whole the concept to him as a kid was just like really. So it's it's um, yeah, it, it really is about the same thing. It just it's just a matter of context. It's amazing to actually meet kids who've never been exposed to that because it's really hard to find in the United States. Well, I happen to know somebody who had a childhood something like that. His name is Chibi. Um, <laughs> we were talking about that, Chibi. You weren't raised with Santa Claus. Um, do you want to comment on that? Um, well, yeah, I, I'm not sure where to start, but I, I can't ever remember being told, at least by my father, anything about Santa Claus. I, I heard of it at school uh, on TV, I, I don't have specific memories of where I heard about it, but I knew there was something out there about some sort of red guy and these reindeer and stuff. And, you know, I saw little cartoons, but I didn't really know that it was anything that anyone ever took seriously. Um, 
so it, it, it's still strange to me now in a way, but I can relate because there was a time in which I believed in God, and uh, now I don't. So I could certainly understand how you could believe in, you know, something also, uh, back to what you were just saying in the video, they also said I thought was interesting. The Christians were actually worried that if if the child came to know that they had been lied to about Santa Claus, you know, God forbid that they also start to have doubts about what their parents told them about God as well. <laughs> and so they said it was such a bad thing to tell to lie about Santa Claus because then, oh, well, what if they grow up and start thinking, oh, well, they lied about that. Maybe they were wrong about God, too. I just thought that was a – it made me snicker just a little bit. I'm like, well, let's hope they do. <laughs> um, we, we should really be promoting Santa as kind of a, a – like a, a vaccination to religion. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sure there's better ways. You just withhold the religion part, but you know. it is. Um, it, it was. I, I had a, Go ahead. Go ahead. <clears throat> well, I had an aunt who was a Christian who was of the sect that you know she thought Santa equals Satan and had all these like she was very anti-Christmas and. uh I didn't grow up close to her, but I heard her talk about it from time to time as a child. And um, so I, I heard that side of things, and then I just sort of, you know, I didn't get a Christmas tree or presents or things like that. So the whole Christmas thing never really made much sense to me ever, ever since I was a child, even when I was a Christian. Um, so, yeah. Did you have anything you wanted to add, Gregory, before we went on? No, no, not at all. Okay. You guys are doing good. I'm enjoying listening, actually. Good. All right. Well, um, I knew that um, I, I knew that uh, Aaron would not be able to contain himself during that specific part of it because that's something he and I talk about all the time. But um, so, um, but one of the things they said was that you know, and I do have to give the, the Christians credit on this. You know, is that even if the children are naughty or nice, the kids still get the presents on Christmas morning. And in, as they said, you know, most people love their children and they don't want to quote unquote ruin Christmas for their kids. So they get stuff anyway. So it actually, when you think about it, and this is something I'm going to get into in the further paragraphs here, is that, you know, when you think about it, that's kind of a reflection of a lot of different things, which is that, you know, we believe supposedly in these higher powers that, you know, punish or don't punish us, but reality doesn't really seem to to weigh up to that. And Santa Claus is no different. Well, gee, I didn't behave any better this year than I did last year, yet I get the same amount of stuff, you know. Um, so the, the moral backing behind it is one of the reasons why the religion part of it also kind of falls apart. And to get into that here, um, <clears throat> so I said, hmm, well, I certainly agree with him. Lying about the existence of a being who punishes people for being whatever the church says is bad is pretty immoral. And I would say lying to someone about the existence of a being who rewards people for being good is pretty silly as well. Considering the fact that people that bad people prosper and good people struggle constantly, it would seem... There's, you know, if there is such a being, he has fallen asleep at his post. So sure, lying about Santa Claus is wrong. It is a distraction for our children from the uh, truth about the other guy we lie about. Oh yeah, God. So people are, for religious religions, uh, religious reasons, very attached to Christmas. And one of the things that occurred to me when I was thinking about that took me back to a time I visited a church to get some extra food for my family when we were in need. Mind you, this church was actually a pretty cool place. Nobody was judging anyone. Everyone was gathering and having fun. What occurred to me, though, was that these people seemed to need an excuse to do this. It's kind of like it robbed them of the true reward for their generosity, which is the act of giving itself. They would say they were doing the work of the Lord, 
when in reality they should have been helping people in need because they wanted to, because they wanted to. The Lord did not gather that food for them. The Lord did not spend the time giving it out. He did not provide any of it. It was the hard work of people running that charity who brought that to the world. And then they kind of cheat themselves out of feeling that kind of well-deserved satisfaction at doing something to help others. I caught myself wondering how many of them were doing that, uh, that were doing it, were doing it because they wanted to go to heaven. How many of them would still be doing it if they did not think it would get them into heaven? I also remember the various charities who get together to ensure that homeless get, you know, homeless people get a Thanksgiving or Christmas dinners, which, while I applaud, some of these people only do this kind of work on specific holidays, as if the homeless don't need help the other 363 days in a year. I also see people do each other, you know, do each other favors or whatever they might not otherwise in the name of, well, hey, it's Christmas. Like maybe they help someone get their car out of the snow, or maybe they let someone keep the change from a transaction. Again, why do we need an excuse to be good to each other? And what is our excuse for not being as good to people the rest of the year? Can you imagine what the world would be like if everyone behaved like they seem to think they only have to behave for Christmas? What if every day people went out of their way to help each other rather than only on these few religious holidays a year? That would be something. That could change the world. When I was uh, young, I remember the second job I had working as a dishwasher at a pizza place. I worked really hard that December because I wanted to buy gifts for everyone in my family. And that is what I did. I was really excited to see the look on their faces when they opened them. I eventually became addicted to giving people things. When I became an atheist, I did not stop giving people things, but I no longer needed an excuse. I gave people things because I enjoyed sharing something with someone that made them happy. I was free of any religious guidance for the giving of gifts. And to this day, I still do that. I will see something that I know, uh, you know, I'll, basically I'll see something that I would know would mean a lot to a friend of mine or relative and get it for them. I do this throughout the year. I don't need any one special day to do it, and I don't need to stomp on anyone on Black Friday to pull it off. I feel the tradition of telling children that some mythological being known as Santa Claus gave them the gifts under the tree robs the child of the feeling of connection with the person who actually gave them the gifts. And that is what it is. It is a connection between the person you are giving the gifts to and yourself. In that, one, in that one moment, you have reached out and enriched the life of another person with a selfless gift of your own. You also rob yourself. You are the one giving the gift. It should be a powerful moment between you and that person, not them and another non-existent entity. To complete, conclude the point about religion, I would suggest that when we give gifts for the specific holidays in the name of beings who don't exist... We are basically making sacrifices to these entities. Is it the same thing as burning someone on the Yule log to keep Father Christmas happy? No. But you are sacrificing the real connection that man should have with man, absent any supernatural excuse. You are also sacrificing your own justly earned satisfaction out of doing something for someone when you credit it to the service of a being who for some reason is never around to help when it comes time to feed or clothe those in need. He seems to be around to take the credit, though yet for some reason is never around to do the work. To segue into the next part of this, one of my favorite quotes I once heard from a child. It's really perfect when you consider it covers the economics and religion of Christmas in one statement. Mommy, why does Santa Claus like rich kids more than poor kids? <laughs> so we're going to pause there as that's the end of the religion part. Um, so Aaron, why does Santa Claus like rich kids more than poor kids? <laughs> Me? Me? Me to answer that? Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, I never was raised to think that 
Santa Claus existed either. I mean, my my parents had that same concern. They didn't want me to to get mixed up and you know, reject Jesus or anything like that. So, um, you know, they took all the necessary precautions, and it still went bad. And um, I don't, you know, so it, it's hard for me to, to to relate to that. But you know, one thing I was I was thinking when you were talking about the the whole phenomenon about the uh, about the gifts, the thing that I really dislike about it is it creates this. Um, it, it becomes this obligation because everybody knows, like at this particular time, you have to show up with gifts, and so you know, I think it's really hard to to give naturally in that context, honestly, because I mean, either I'm you know buying a gift for everybody or I'm withholding, and then I feel guilty if somebody buys something for me. Um, I find the whole phenomenon kind of destructive because like it basically traps us all into this vortex where we're all having to throw all our money into the pit <laughs> you know in the end we got a whole bunch of junk we we didn't actually need if we had actually needed it we would have gone out and bought it a while back but I we're mean, actually going to be talking about that and later in the show as well as i cover that in the blog too um as far that i apologize for interrupting just to say you know as far as the religious aspect of christmas and and the the kind of basis behind it that people have this uh, religious understanding that they need to be doing these things and how the religions all seem to blend together um, on, you know, as far as their motivation. Um, what, what what would you say about that? Humans are creatures of habit. They, they cling to the things that they learn when they're kids. I think that's, I, th- I think it's just, it's, it's something that's, so deep rooted and emotional that it's, it's hard to intellectualize it. People, you put you put a person through a horrible experience when they're a kid, and and tell them that that's like the, the right thing to do. They're going to recreate that for their kids. It's essentially how humans work. It's unfortunate, but it seems like the way that we operate is is just to to repeat what we associate with our childhood, whether it's traumatic or or pleasant. Um, and you know, that's what I see religion and these kinds of things like holidays being. I absolutely agree with you, and it's it's interesting actually that um, the way that that gets played out, uh, especially when you're in situations like maybe you're a parent who's uh, the other parent has different religious beliefs and you're not together, um, as I'm dealing with that right now actually. Um, my daughter said to me the other day, you know, Mommy said that you think Santa Claus is a myth, and she's telling me that Santa Claus, you know, um, is not a myth, and that because you don't believe in Santa Claus, there won't be any gifts under the tree at your house from Santa Claus. And I just kind of grit my teeth and go, well, sweetheart, your mom is entitled to believe whatever she wants, you know, <laughs> just like, you know, stuff like that, you know. I-, I couldn't believe that her that she would take it there, but then again, you know, um, it, I ended up getting stuff for my kids, but I just I do it throughout the year um, with no for no excuse at all. Uh, just like I'd said earlier, you know, if I see something I think would make my daughter happy, it could be the middle of June, and I pick it up and I give it to them as a surprise, you know, to get them all, you know, so they can have that exciting moment, you know. But I never tell them anything like you know Christmas under the tree, blah 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 blah. I, I don't even go through any of that, and it's it's largely because you know as I was saying earlier, you know. You know, I got a bunch of gifts for them for you know for my own reasons, and this year, uh, you know, we happened to have some that came in from other places, and they wanted to know who had brought them because they kept insisting it must have been Santa Claus. 
when in reality it was, you know, a nice teacher from school wanted to buy Morgan some extra stuff and then decided to buy Connor some stuff too, you know, and it was cool. And, you know, I eventually tried to explain it to them, but, you know, and what bothered me about it is just like I said there, was that it basically means that credit is not being given where credit is due. You know, my child doesn't get to think, oh, my teacher did this for me. Instead, they're thinking some non-existent entity that's not really in need of any connection did it. Um, so, Gregory, do you have anything to add? <laughs> no, you guys are doing good. I just, uh, with the religious aspect, the one that seems to stick in my mind that I see uh, as I drive around town, or, I mean, you see it, you hear it, it's kind of predominant. Uh, goes something like, Jesus is the reason for the season. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, you know, I grew up for 14 years in a Baptist church, so that was what I believed at that point in time. And uh, that faded away little by little. But then I stumbled on this film a few years back, that uh, really nailed it for me, and I think we all know the name of that film. You're talking about, um, go ahead. At least the first, at least the first <laughs> part of it. I'm sure oh, he's well, talking about Zeitgeist, right? Z1. Uh, yeah, yeah. Z1. Z1. Right. Yeah, that's, you know, we. and the funny thing is, is that um, whether anybody believes in the existence of Jesus or not, in comparison just to the fact that the holiday itself doesn't exist even in the Bible. Right, right. You know, it, the it's, connection be- even even if God and Jesus do exist, the connection between them and Christmas is ludicrous. It's, right, it's ludicrous. So, because Jesus was born, that's why we still use mistletoe, <laughs> <laughs> even though mistletoe does not grow anywhere near Israel. Um, because Jesus was born, we cut down an evergreen tree, even though pine trees don't grow in the desert. Um, <laughs> you know. It, and you, you try to confront them with this stuff, and it's it's interesting actually how many like because back when I was a pagan I had to do this all the time, you know, and they're very attached to it because they've been kind of raised to be attached to it. They're very attached to all the symbolisms and the memories that they have, and therefore when you try to you know to, to confront them with that, you know, one guy just literally said no, it's because of Christmas, and I'm not going to let you tell me anything different. The guy was really offended. I was like, okay, so. If you choose then that you want to go ahead and believe that, um, okay, you know, but it's it's kind of like the, you know, the, I keep coming back to that scene in the Matrix, you know, we're all locked in the, you know, some of the people in here don't want to be unplugged and they will fight for, to protect this system. <coughs> you know, I think that's what bothers me the most about uh, this whole discussion. I mean, that that some people act as if some beliefs are in the box and they just can't, they're not up for discussion, they're not up for debate. Right. And uh, because Christian, I mean, Christmas is considered a, a Christian holiday in this country, it, then it, it gets placed in that same box as something we just, you know, regardless of to what extent people celebrate, you know, a lot some people don't buy gifts and buy into all the traditions. Most people do, but even the ones that don't would still say that no, no, there's something uh, family values or something about this holiday that matters. And, yeah, I uh, actually bring that up and say you know, there are. All these negative aspects that are being discussed, there are some positive aspects to the holidays, although uh, I will preface it by saying it does, shouldn't rely on just the holidays to have family gatherings and with friends and loved ones um, and share things, whether they be gifts 
or stories or you know favors or whatever it's the the act of connecting and sharing uh, and getting together with loved ones and family and friends i think is uh has been pushed aside in you know to make way for this consumerism mentality of this holiday well, even those things, as we discussed before the show, you know, should be something we value year-round. Uh, you don't need a special day for it. But the fact that, I mean, just talking about Christmas, like uh, the origins of it and everything, and having a debate or discussion about it shouldn't strip someone of their memories. And I think that's like the people who are responding so uh, negatively on Facebook, for example, it, it's like they are defending something like you. Like by us saying, um, you know, raising some doubts or concerns about the origins of the holiday and what what's really going on here, uh, they suddenly feel as though, uh, you know, whatever fond memories they have that we're trying to tell them that no, those are supposed to be bad memories or something it, because of the reason behind it, it was false. Which uh, that's not what I would be trying to say at all. I mean, just because you had a, a positive experience doesn't mean that uh, it didn't have the foundations of what you were celebrating and all this might have been complete bullshit. And there's nothing wrong with holding on to the good memories, but still developing a more complex understanding of what is really going on. Did you want to comment further, Aaron? Well, we keep getting accused of waging war on Christmas by the Christians. So why not? I mean, I mean, I think we should take them up on it if they keep saying we're doing it. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, I agree with that. I mean, I, the only thing I regret is that I that I waged that part of that war while I was in the last years of the United, that I was in the United States, and and you know, now I kind of look back on it and go, um, well, I look at it and feel that I perhaps if I had known what the future was going to be, I wouldn't have made that big of a deal about it. I guess I guess that's the question. Though. Is is it is it worth you know shaking people's boats over that? I guess sometimes I feel like it is, and sometimes sometimes I feel like there's such such bigger battles, and everybody just sees me as fighting everything. <laughs> you know. Oh like, yeah. So ask yourself the question: Did anyone shake your boat to get you to change the way you believe, or did it just come about through? through usually, I just. Just I just I just argue with everybody about everything, and then eventually I have to change my mind about stuff. <laughs> <laughs> oh hey, we're familiar with that <laughs> here on B Radio. Um, no, I I know where you're coming from, Aaron, and and it is interesting that you you point that out. Um, in addition to the fact that for me though, I mean my motive, which is something else I think we're going to discuss a little bit more, like you know about the part that you were starting to bring up that is still in the blog that we're going to be covering, you know, in a little bit is that, you know, I feel like I'm setting people free, to be honest, because once I shed any religious excuse for giving people gifts, you know, once I was no longer in a position when that was only supposed to happen under specific circumstances or whatever, um, I felt so much more free to pursue, you know, the virtue of giving. I felt so much more free to enjoy it. And it, it's interesting, though, as we pointed out, a religious holiday you know, um, I've seen custody battles influenced by whether or not somebody's willing to practice Christmas as a holiday with their children. I've seen, um, 
you know, just the way people are, you know, um, thought of as parents. What? You don't give your kids a Christmas? What's the matter with you? You know, um, it's like if you don't all participate in that holiday, even if you don't hold that religion, people look down on you. Um, Yeah, make you the outcast. Right. I'm a bad person because I choose to give stuff to people for my reasons. Go ahead, Chibi. No, I was just agreeing with you because I, I was thinking about that a moment ago that, you know, you could be sitting alone on Christmas or, or Thanksgiving one day and feeling kind of down about the fact that you're not participating in certain activities. But, uh, I mean, if, I, I don't know, I, I tried to think of it in a way that didn't make me feel so uh, outcastish. Um I guess it's hard to do that, but... I mean, I choose to not participate, so that's that's my problem. But at the same time, um, there's a good reason not to participate if the foundations of something are, are very immoral and but, produce a lot of But, Chibi, why do you say suffering. that's my problem? I'm curious. It's not a problem. You, believe, you choose to believe what you want to believe, how you want to believe it. Why would that be your quote-unquote problem? That's your prerogative. Well, I, I just it's a figure of speech in the sense that if, if I'm feeling upset about Christmas while somebody else is having the time of their life, uh, obviously the way I'm feeling, I, I'm not going to put it on them and try to make them feel negative as well about whatever they're doing. But right. I still believe that uh, you know what they're doing is wrong and produces a lot of suffering in the world. And maybe the Christmas thing is a small issue, but it's one of many, and it, it's right. symptomatic of... of much larger issues that do lead to enormous amounts of suffering in the world. So I find it immoral, and I choose not to practice it. Well, you know, on this, along the same lines, there are people who get a, a great emotional elation out of taking their children to see bullfights. Um, you know, they get an emotional... Like, there was a time, you know, one of Jacques' favorites is feeding Christians to lions. It used to be something you took your children to go see. You know, it's... The people can get emotional attachments to something, even if it's not healthy, and they don't really want to hear that it's not healthy. Something like Christmas is harder to, to put the finger on for that because you're like, well, what do you mean? It's just, you know, we all get around and we have fun and, you know, maybe we uh, we give gifts to each other and whatever. And it's it, it, it keeps coming back to the point that I made originally was that the reason why these consumerist nations um, can do this, practice at all, is because we're taking the um, resources from other people and leaving their countries in poverty. Because we're intentionally, you know, through economic hitmen or whatever, destroying economies in other countries, um, putting in place dictators who are, you know, uh, ready and willing to sell their country's resources to us, you know, far less than they're worth. And that's the reason we're in a position to have Christmas, when in many of these these nations they're not. Um, the funny thing also, though, is, uh, and, and we'll actually we'll get into this more in the uh, the economic part of the show. You know, is that even in the United States, a lot of families are not, you know, doing that anymore. They they can't afford it. And I think that, um, you know, but to cap off at least my part of the religious aspect is that there are a lot of holidays. And this this is where the segue kind of falls into the concept of, uh, you know, why does mommy, why does Santa Claus like rich kids more than poor kids? Is that um, the the corporations have tapped into this. They're they're certainly willing to use our religions against us, you know, to, to give us you know reasons to consume. Okay, uh, and the religion, even if you're not Christian, I know a lot of people who are not practicing Christians who still practice these holidays, like it's it's an expectation. 
Um, and that it it impacts everything. And in fact, impacts the business culture, which is why I can't go to the store today to buy myself some fruit punch, even though I want some, because the stores aren't open. You know, um, Seven Eleven's open. Yeah, that's not a bad idea. I should go to Seven Eleven, but <laughs> they're always open. Why damn pagans! <laughs> yeah. yeah, those damn pagans—they got all the damn stores closed down. Yeah, um, you know, it's 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 something that people don't want to face, and what makes it even more disgusting to me is that—and this is the, the the real clincher, I think, for the whole point of the defined necessity picture—is you're a Christian, and your Christmas is on the right, and there's a whole lot of other people whose Christmas is on the left of that picture. Millions of people. But it, yeah. Millions. The way I grew up uh, thinking of Christmas was more from the left than the right, I guess, because uh, I did believe in it as a religious holiday, but there there weren't gifts and trees and all that. So, um, But then, I mean, obviously that died with my religious beliefs, so... Well, it all falls into line with the the propaganda that made um, capitalism look like Christianity. Uh, the idea that you know capitalism is founded on Christian values. Uh, the idea that you know, and the thing is, is that I just you know, if, if there was a, a Jesus Christ, according to the stories that I read, anyway, if I if he was to show up in either one of those pictures, I don't think it would be the one on the right. At no, all. Not not likely. Not no. likely. I, I think he'd be on the left wanting to figure out why the hell all of his followers were doing the stuff on the right <laughs> instead of taking care of the kid on the left. You know, it's, right. you know, there's a lot of different um, controversies about that. You know, some people actually feel the Dead Sea Scrolls contain Gospels of Jesus Christ where he's suggesting a low material lifestyle there's anthropological studies that state that Jesus, you know, that the first Christians were actually anarcho-communists and that they shared everything and took care of each other. Um, you know, it's, and I think that that's one of the reasons why this makes religion look even worse is that the same people who are telling me, you know, get away from my holiday, you know, are doing this thing supposedly in the name of the birth of Christ. They're ignoring all of the things that were done, you know, to influence that holiday. Uh, and the money that they're spending on it as compared to what they could be doing to make the world better in general. And that's where it, it's it's even worse that they, at the end of the day, could say that this was an expression of their religious beliefs. You know, um, it, and it's at the same time probably one of the most insensitive things they can do. As I said during the Thanksgiving episode, it, it's like the people have blinders on that they've put on themselves. You know, you put blinders on a horse to keep them from freaking out about what's going on in the rest of the world so that all they see is what's directly in front of them. You know, it, it's the same concept. You know, we do the same thing when we walk by homeless people who are lying on the ground under a blanket that's not adequate to keep them warm, you know, to walk into a casino like I saw it when I was out at Occupy Detroit. There was casinos and there's homeless people lying around outside, you know, in the same neighborhood as these casinos. It's the inability for people to, they don't want to face it, you know, and that's what I think I made people angry about is that they're getting ready to go have their eggnog and their honey-baked ham and they're, you know, they're getting ready to get fed a bunch of junk that they don't need and, you know, be given a bunch of consumer items that are not even going to be useful to them inside of a, a year, you know, and 
they believe they're doing this in you know memory of the birth of a being who would have never gone along with the majority of what goes on in you know our typical day you know so um any final comments from anyone before we move on no i'm good aaron um no um, okay all right chibi i, w- I would say oh, go ahead gregory before we move away from the religious aspect of all this I would say, add to what I said before, that after watching uh, the movie, Zeitgeist, and further studying Acharya S.'s work, I learned a lot about uh, the connection between Christmas and Christianity, and all the, a lot about Christianity. A whole, a whole other topic, a whole other show, but for the listeners, you got to check out uh, her stuff. You had if, some archives with her on your show, didn't you? Yeah, we've 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 had her on Z Radio a couple times. Cool, cool. All right, Chibi. No, I'm good for now. Okay, good. All right, so moving on. Um, the dark side of social engineering has been seen by people who listen to my show, you know, members of the Zeitgeist movement and supporters of the Venus Project. It saturates saturates every part of our culture. We live in a culture that was socially engineered to create people who are nearly religious in the pursuit of consumerism. There are so many social stigmas associated with giving people a quote-unquote good Christmas, and all of them revolve in some way around money. The the fellow I quoted above kept talking about how Christmas is the only day a family can feel free, meaning that they somehow feel free on that day. I imagine in some families they might do a good job of convincing themselves in that, but the reality is that this consumer holiday creates all kinds of mental mayhem one of the most vivid Christmas memories came from my early 20s. I was renting a room from someone whose family had invited me over to Christmas. Due to a car problem, we were late. Eventually, the guy's mother showed up, furious that we were not there on time, and I got to watch an adult woman physically assaulting her adult son in front of his wife and children for not being to Christmas on time. This might be somewhat of an extreme example, but I have seen the same thing play itself out over and over again to greater or lesser degrees in homes all around the country. A great deal of stress goes into ensuring that the holidays are perfect. I have watched families get into screaming matches about it. I have seen them go absolutely crazy over the turkey, the ham, the stuffing, or whatever other implements that you absolutely must have in order to have a proper holiday where everyone is supposed to be getting together and enjoy one another's company. I have seen families go into a frenzy that eventually eventually leads to fighting and all sorts of drama if any one of these implements is not utilized to its full effect. Damn it! We are ruining Christmas! We don't have any stuffing! If you had just done what I said, none of this would have happened and we would be having fun right now! Sorry. The The further pressure in this situation comes from having all the best gifts. This is generally enforced throughout our entire culture. Parents are not seen as good parents if they don't provide for their children a good Christmas. So combine this with the already out-of-control fervor that false institutions such as fashion, novelty, etc., and you have an orgy for the 1% at the top of the food chain, they have us trained to be good little consumer monkeys, and Christmas is, if anything, the ultimate culmination of all their hard work to get us to work hard to make them rich. The sheer lunacy of the situation takes some very hideous forms. Here are some excerpts from an article in the New York Times about shopping on Black Friday. The article is called, Walmart Walmart Worker Trampled to Death by Frenzied Black Friday Shoppers, by Stephanie Rosenblum. 
In a sign of consumer desperation amid a bleak economy, the annual rite of retailing known as Black Friday turned chaotic and deadly as shoppers scrambled for holiday bargains. A Walmart worker in Long Island, New York, died after being trampled by customers who broke through the doors early Friday, and other workers were trampled as they tried to rescue the man. At least four other people, including a woman who was eight months pregnant, were taken to the hospitals. Fights and injuries occurred elsewhere at other stores operated by Walmart, the nation's leading discount chain, which is one of the few retailers thriving in the current economy. Meanwhile, two men at a crowded Toys R Us in Palm Desert, California, pulled guns and shot each other to death after women with them brawled, witnesses said. While tussles and even broken bones are common when the doors open on Black Friday, the fact that that's considered common or normal really disturbs me, but... Um, this is apparently the first time someone was killed in the stampede. For some consumer psychologists, the mad scramble was a sign of the times. Quote, I think it ties into a sort of fear and panic of not having enough. That's telling. Said Joe Priester, a professor at the Marshall School of Business at the University of Southern California and a former president of the Society for Consumer Psychology. A herd mentality, he said, can lead individuals to feel anonymous so much that they are capable of trampling someone. Quote, fear combined with group mentality, he said, it doesn't surprise me at all. Walter Loeb, president of Loeb Associates, a retail consultancy, said there was shopping mania at Walmart every year. But this year, he said, it seems people are becoming irrational in their actions. That seemed the case early Friday at the Green Acres Mall in Valley Stream on Long Island, where the Nassau County Police had to be called in for crowd control about 3 a.m., and an officer with a bullhorn pleaded for order. Tension grew as the 5 a.m. opening neared. By 4.55 a.m., with no police officers in sight, the crowd of more than 2,000 had become a rabble and could be held back no longer. Fists banged and shoulders pressed on the sliding glass double doors, which bowed in with the weight of the assault. Witnesses and police said the doors shattered, and the shrieking mob surged through in a rush for holiday bargains. One worker, Jidinatai Demur, 34, of Queens, was thrown back onto the black linoleum tiles and trampled in the stampede that steamed over and around him. Some workers fought their way through the surge to get to Demur, but he had been fatally injured, police said. Demur, a temporary worker hired for the holiday season, was pronounced dead an hour later at Franklin Hospital, Medical Hospital in the Valley Stream. Four other people, including a 28-year-old woman described as eight months pregnant, were treated at the hospital for minor injuries. Detective Lieutenant Michael Fleming, who is in charge of the investigation of the Nassau County Police, called the scene utter chaos and said the crowd was out of control. As for those who had run over the victim, criminal charges were possible, the lieutenant said. I've heard other people call this an accident, but it's not. Certainly, it was a foreseeable act. Some, some shoppers who had seen the stampede said they were shocked. One, Kimberly Cribs of Queens, said the crowd had acted like savages. Shopping behavior was bad even as the store was being cleared, she recalled. When they were saying they had to leave, that an employee had been killed, people were yelling, I've been in line since yesterday morning, Cribs said. And they kept shopping. Outbreaks weren't restricted to New York. At a Walmart in Columbus, Ohio, Nikki Nicely, 19 years old, interesting name, 
jumped onto a man's back and pounded his shoulders when he tried to take a 40-inch Samsung flat-screen TV to which she had laid claim. That's my TV! Nicely, 19 years old, shouted. That's my TV! A police officer and security guard intervened, but not before Nicely took an elbow in the face. In the end, she was with, was the one with the $798 television marked down from $1,000. That's right, she cried as her adversary walked away. This here is my TV. Now, it's the end of that part of the article, but I did a little research on some other incidents on that day. In another incident, a woman allegedly defended her two teenagers who were being physically assaulted by other shoppers when they were trying to acquire Xbox gaming consoles by using pepper spray. As in, she pepper sprayed people that were coming near her kids. There's a lot of different versions of that story. Some of them actually said that she pepper sprayed in areas that she wanted to get stuff and then walk off with it. People in the area were still choking and coughing from it for like 20 minutes. Um, A child was shopping with his grandfather in another store in Phoenix when shoppers tried to strip a video game out of the hands of the child. The grandfather slipped the video game under his shirt so that people could not steal the game from the child. This resulted in police throwing the man on the floor on his head as they suspected him of shoplifting. His blood was pouring out of his head while his grandson watched helplessly to do anything but to try to explain to the police what had taken place while his grandfather lied unconscious on the floor. Interesting that security was on task for protecting the merchandise, but not for the lives of the people who had been lost during Black Friday. I ended up watching videos of various Black Friday riots, and that's really what they are. Riots. In many cases, what you're looking at looks like people desperately trying to get out of a burning building. It's like a seating frenzy. So what does this mean? Where does it come from? Again, we are taught that if we don't give the best gifts, we are not the best friends or family members. We are taught that our self-image should be directly linked to this. I have seen the quality of Christmas being brought up in child custody battles. I brought that up earlier. The parent can offer a better Christmas, gets preferential treatment. It also it is weighed in general, as parents who are more financially well-off will be seen as better parents in the legal system, even if the parents in question are not emotionally or mentally supportive of the children. Children, of course, are put in awkward positions in situations like this, as they do want gifts. The advertising industry, as shown in the film Consuming Kids, knows this all too well and exploits it to create an almost insatiable thirst on the part of the children for specific gifts. And that is the further reinforced at school, where they are made fun of if they don't have the latest toys or fashions. A great deal of businesses derive almost half of their profits from holiday sales. There are so many industries built around the holidays themselves, including the decorations and all other facets of these holidays. You see it when the holiday decorations for the next holiday are already on display before the food from the last holiday is even cold. They play music in the stores appropriate to those holidays to constantly remind consumers that they should be doing their duty to their family and friends by seeking to buy gifts for them. You are taught that the amount of money you spend on someone for these holidays is a critical measure of how much you care for them. You might literally feel guilty if you did not spend enough on them. I'm going to take a quick pause here so we can talk a little bit about the Black Friday stuff, and then we'll move on from there. Um, Aaron, do you want to comment on the insanity of Black Friday? I think that that reporter was on to something. This is actually kind of indicative of a deeper issue. I I really don't think this is just a question of uh, materialism. I think that there's kind of an under, undercurrent of, uh, of fear. And, you know, it's interesting because I remember having this um, 
issue myself a long time ago, um, just fe- the fear of not having enough. And it was something that I, that I really had to go through some pretty interesting experiences to get rid of. And, you know, ironically, what it took was getting to the point where I really had nothing and getting, you know, a lot of times we're afraid of not having anything when we're surrounded by lots and lots and lots and lots and lots and lots. And And it's it's only when you actually get down to nothing and you realize, hey, life goes on, it's actually okay, that you can actually let go of that fear. I remember that was what it took for me. Um, Because I remember just being constantly, you know, overfed and fearing not having enough food, you know, fearing not having enough of this or fearing not having a place to sleep. Or, you know, this is during my unstable 20s. Um, and, you know, I think it's actually the under – there is some real logical reasons for that because we are headed for some very difficult times as this, this economy un, un, unravels. And the people who are in that lower state that, – that, that less aware state are going to be in some pretty serious um, circumstances. You know, the people who are truly asleep at the wheel and just flowing along with the current of society are going to get broadsided by this. And maybe they're not fully aware of it, but I think people are starting to have that, that sense of apprehension. Yep. That's very true. Now, um, Gregory, yeah, it's funny you bring up the word apprehension. That's uh, exactly what I was going to touch on. But more so what I'd like to focus on is uh, that we not so much demonize the people for this behavior because sure. it's, it's the system. It's the You, you combine uh, this have to have the best of something or have to have something to give to somebody on this holiday and because of the economy and the way it is i want to pay the best price i can so i'm going to stand in line at a walmart you know camp out of my sleeping bag all night so that i can be first in line to get the best deal on the you know the whole just i could go on and on but the stress okay that 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 incurs from that it's no wonder people go crazy but Let's remember it's the system, the way it is set up with all these all these pressures on us. The environment is pressuring us to behave this way. And it's that that what needs to change. The system, the change the environment, the people in it will change. That's uh, that's a very good point actually. And um we are kind of, you know, I I you're right to say that we need to be sure that we focus on what is what it is about the environment that's creating that behavior, and I right. think that and when I say fo- I don't mean just focus on, I sure. mean focus on more so because sure. yes, at, to some point the people are responsible for their behavior to a point, but mm-hmm. there's a point at which, like you were talking about, it becomes herd mentality and they go into autopilot and don't think about it. But they need to be woken up, uh, so the people you know are you know doing the act so they're not completely free of guilt but it's the system uh above and beyond that that needs to change that will then change the people that's my point for sure you know and i actually completely agree with you where you're coming from and yeah i mean it's at the end of the day though i mean 
for sure, we have to look. And it's okay, for example, to be to find someone's behavior distasteful, um, and it's a good way to uh, to look at it within ourselves because we don't want to behave that way within ourselves. And to me, for example, the the example of a guy who would turn and look back and say, "Well, I waited in this line till you know since 5 a.m. or whatever, and that's why it should be okay for him to continue shopping even though they just killed someone at the door." Yeah, I mean that's just that's a level of despicable that, that it, I can't even put into fucking words. I mean that's just I uh, know. But that's that I, like I say I can't even describe how pathetic uh, that is. Hey, absolutely. That nobody nobody that's in the know about how screwed up this system is should be shocked by that. They can be disgusted by it, but they shouldn't be shocked by it. I think that it's it's interesting though is that it it even people like me like I was surprised when I read that but then again afterwards I was kind of like well you know what maybe I'm not that surprised but yeah exactly I guess it's just it's it's like wow you know the the concept that you know it's not even occurring to them they're so focused on themselves at that very moment it's like the 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 pinnacle of Ayn Randism you know it's so focused on themselves at that moment that the fact that they got to go get their stuff so that their family can have a Christmas is more relevant to them than the guy who doesn't get to have a Christmas because he just died, you know, yeah, on the I, floor. It makes me wonder if he'd have been, if he'd have had a child in hand or a, or a sibling uh, next to him that got trampled and killed, had he would he have felt the same way? Right. You know. And it's 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 interesting. It's it's another example of that disconnect I was talking about with the defined necessity picture in the first place. Right. You know, these are people. I mean, that's even worse because in defined necessity, you're not absolutely looking at you know African children every day when you sit down in your house. You know, but there's a dead guy lying on the floor over there, and it's still more important that you go get yourself a fifty dollar DVD player. Yeah, you know, there are people that look like that down in Los Angeles. So Africa too, but you know, they're all over the place. No, it's a very good point. Very good point. So, yeah. Chibi? And it doesn't even make anybody happy. You know, I wonder if this that girl nicely, uh, she got her TV and got home. I, I highly doubt that uh, having the elbow to the face and all, I don't know what kind of damage there was, but that, one would think after looking in a mirror that she probably didn't feel too good uh, about the outcome, even though she got her I don't TV. Know. I don't know, Chibi. The uh, attitude I picked up from that was she probably got home and, and well, said, you know, look what I uh, look what I have to, look what I had to go through to get this. So she sounded like a conquerer. That much more value. Yeah, <laughs> she I'm was a conquistador. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. Speaking, I don't think it improves the quality of of her no, life. No, I mean, no, we we understand right. we understand that it doesn't. But to her and her mentality, she's gonna say, you know, now it's even more valuable because look at what I had to go through to get it. Right, and two months later, when she's sitting back watching TV, it's just another TV. People, well, I mean, we've talked about that on many different shows, I think. You and I know that. You and I know that. But but will she be sitting there in two months thinking that? I don't, who knows? No, certainly she won't reflect on it because it's back in the next moment. Uh, Most people don't really reflect on much of anything. No, she'll carry that story that she won that TV with her for a while. I, I can I can feel right. Well. I think we were definitely dealing with someone who is a but no, I also see where, where Chibi's coming from though too, is that, you know, we are we are a people that are kind of given the idea that our consumer culture will make us happy and that unfortunately in fact the the opposite is in many cases true. Uh you know, we, we think that if we're gonna enrich ourselves with this stuff that you know that things will change for ourselves. And I mean in some cases material items can be good for you, you know, is and you will enjoy them for a while, but 
Um, one of the things that you know I often have to spar with people about when once again talking about kids is that you know I don't spend like I will buy my kids a nice toy if it's something I know they're gonna really enjoy. Um, but if but in many cases, uh, especially like consumerized kids, the ones that you know watch advertising, you give them all the stuff they asked for, and they're finished playing with it inside of ten minutes, and then it's just another thing laying in their room. You know, they might go back to it every now and then, but so much of it is linked directly to the, well, I got the latest blah, blah, blah. You know, when they go back to school, they get to brag about it. You know, but it's it's actually something that Jack Reed said in my first show with him, and I, I think he brought it up again in the show we did on Z Radio, too, was just that, um, we you know, he went to this house where there was this guy, and he had all these kids, and the amount of plastic toys they had was just, as he put it, amazing, you know, uh, there was so much stuff lying on their floor that they probably don't play with anymore. And it's the reason why if you take toys from kids, like, you know, for example, I recycle the toys every now and then when the kids are not home. You know, I just move the old ones out and, you know, it, they don't even notice. If no. you do it when they're standing there, though, they notice that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and it, it comes back to that fear of not having enough. Right. Um, and I think, though, that uh, the violence, like, you know, that they were describing, like the fact that, you know, they would tear a video game out of a child's hand and that his grandfather had to protect his child, you know, yeah. from that and had to put the video game under his, his shirt to keep other people from taking it so they could go pay for it, which then, of course, led to the, you know, the Walmart security being afraid that they're not going to have enough, quote unquote, throwing the guy to the ground. And I wasn't kidding. His blood is like literally pouring onto the floor while they're finishing putting the cuffs on him and all that. And this, this grandson is just standing there watching, trying to explain to them that he wasn't trying to steal anything. That's not usual either. I'm sure that the stress of the, of all the chaos in the stores was pushing on the officers as well to overreact. Sure. I mean, I've seen lots of shoplifting. I've shoplifted. They, they don't normally get all worked no. up and violent over a, a video game. You know, it's and that and and that doesn't excuse the behavior, but it explains it. Sure. Right. No. I'm not trying. To, yeah. I I highly doubt that the officers intended to to do no. maximum damage or anything. No. That's one of the things that you could overhear was actually somebody was saying when they were making the recording. You know, was is that really necessary for shoplifting? You know, because the guy was literally just pulverized, lying on the ground. And you know, I have seen some interesting brawls with security in Meyer, for example. I had to apprise a guy of his rights because security actually doesn't have any special right to even touch you. It's assault. Um, they have to call the police. That's the only rights they have. Um, we could go into a whole other show about that at some point, but. You know, but as you pointed out, it's it's the frenzy of the situation, the energy of the situation that's created. You know, and another thing I wanted to describe was when I said these videos, like, reminded me of somebody frantically trying to get out of a burning building. Um, there was one video in particular I caught today, and it, if you if you didn't know better, you would think it was people trying to fight to get into, you know, get out of a building. But right. the reality was it was people fighting to get into a Walmart. Um, you know, if they're willing to push on the glass enough to shatter the glass and then shoot through the doors, you know, and it's just it that's how uh it, cult-like it is. You know, we're so enraptured by it and just taken over by it. The notion that you know, that getting a $50 DVD player is worth all of that, 
you know, and the and the way they reacted to it, it's like they're going to die if they don't get these things. And it's largely because we really are exposed to the idea in this consumerist culture that if we don't have these things, we really are dead. You know, we're not a viable human being if we don't have these things. Right. Yeah, I've had a lot of experience with that as well because uh, I grew up poor. I, I think probably a few of us on this show grew up poor. Mm-hmm. Um and yeah, the the amount of suffering that you inflict on others with that sort of mentality, who you know the have-nots, but only uh, not only that, but on themselves, because unless you're at the top of the ladder and you ignore and have no empathy for those below you, you can't be made happy by you know just acquiring wealth and material goods. I mean, at least not long term. Well, now that we've talked a little bit more about Black Friday, I wanted to get uh, Aaron. Did you have any final comments on Black Friday before we move forward? Not really. No, okay. I mean, it's, I'm pretty out of touch with that whole that whole culture because you know, I guess I, my parents never my parents weren't very materialistic when it came to that kind of stuff. We didn't have much money, mm-hmm. so you know, we were happy if we got like you know, Goodwill bicycle or whatever they they could scrounge up. So yeah, it, it's it's completely foreign to me. Well, I, uh, I'm I'm happy for you that it is. I was going to say, that's not a bad thing. <laughs> no, not a bad it thing. It seems bad as a child sometimes, though. Well, I, at least in my experience, I had a very similar as to what Aaron was saying, but in my case, uh, you know, you go to school and you get beat up and pushed around and picked on for wearing the hand-me-down clothes and not and just not fitting in all the way or whatever. Very least made fun of to, to right. the nth degree, you know. I got called Goodwill yeah, I mean, Boy. Goodwill good Boy. Yeah, uh, it was the clothes that was the worst, actually. Or right? even uh, I even remember because I had pretty, you know, conventional Christmases growing up before till I was like ten, and then was you know smart enough to realize, wait a minute, Santa really? Uh-uh. Um, but I don't know if any of you, well, maybe none of you can, but um, understand uh, walking out and seeing all the other neighborhood kids with their Christmas presents that they had just got from Santa on Christmas Day riding the new bike down the street or whatever it may be, and actually looking at their gifts like, damn, their gift is better than mine. I wish I'd have got that. I, I had a how, about that for a how about that for a sick childhood? Mommy, why does Santa Claus like rich kids more than poor kids? Thank you. Exactly. <laughs> Go ahead, Chibi. I took on a much more destructive attitude than that even, I think, as a child. I mean, I actually hated other people, especially people who had more and, and flaunted it. Oh, definitely. Uh, I mean, obviously, as as an adult, I have a different understanding of the situation, but through my childhood and teenage years, I went through a lot of angst and anxiety, and I, I mean, I hated everyone, basically, who wasn't uh, in a similar situation, because they, it seemed as though they hated me, or at least I interpreted it that way, and so it was like me against the world sort of attitude, and uh, if somebody... Uh, did have a a nice bicycle, like you had said. If the opportunity arose, I probably would have wanted to to go break that bicycle. I, I yeah. can't remember ever doing it, but no, I certainly fantasized about it. You know, so. Yeah. Well, um, real quick, uh, Aaron, you were saying it was mostly clothes for you. Um, you want to comment a little bit on that? Because I think I have more comments to that too. Well, I mean, I mean, it's a combination of factors. I mean, my parents also kind of had a philosophy that. They didn't want to give us a whole bunch of stuff. I mean, 
they they didn't really have the means to do it, but um, my parents had come from kind of uh, difficult homes, and they felt that and my dad especially felt that it was um, you know pulling himself up by his bootstraps was what gave him character. You know, he had gone out and gotten jobs really, really young. And, you know, so and I, I was told when I was 13 that I had to start buying my own clothes. And I remember that being like really painful for me. It wasn't that I couldn't come up with the money to get my clothes, but it just felt like I was kind of being cut off. So it was kind of a combination of factors. It wasn't just the, you know, that my parents didn't have enough money. It was that they actually kind of had a, a resistance to the consumerism. And resistance to just giving me everything, which now I actually appreciate. But the thing is, they had absolutely no idea the culture they were throwing me into when I went finally went to public school. And, and worst of all, I got thrown into public school in fifth grade. So I was completely out of the loop when I jumped into it. And just they they just basically jumped on me like piranhas because if you if you don't know consumer culture and you go into it at a, that age, they just you just you can't fit in because you, you you're like what what are you wearing like what 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 are your what did you do to your hair it's just um, it's really awful how kids are they're just they're just like little corporate machines and you got to imagine that um, part of the hysteria that you see children go through when they don't get what they want is probably inspired by that because they know if they don't go to school if they go to school and they don't and they're not wearing these things that life is going to be miserable for them. Yeah, yeah, it's true. It's like the kids are just absolutely horrendous. I was, yeah, and it, I was literally like hit, picked on like with violence and all that stuff. And and it, you know, it probably would have happened just because I didn't know how to talk exactly like the other kids too. But um, I mean, that that gets into the whole educational system and the way that we put kids in these environments where bullying is accepted and. All that too, so that's that's an entirely other thing. But it, it does play in together because that's you know part of why people are driven to consumerism is is, is the, the desire to fit in. Now, something actually, Chibi, you're pointing out here in the chat this is actually something that we talked about during the homeschooling episode as well. Um, not given proper tools for social interaction. The question is: is are they proper tools? Is my ability to blend in with consumer culture? Um, you know, or the stupid popularity pyramid scheme really a proper tool? Or is it something, I mean, maybe it's something that'll be a good uh, aspirin for the, the brain tumor headache that I have. But, you know, I guess, you know, to, to give some more commentary on that is just to say that, you know, is it any measure, you know, of health to be well-adjusted to a sick society? I guess is the, the quote that comes to my head. Um, no, what, what I've learned... Uh since then is that even without being able to fit in in those usual sort of ways, you can learn to interact with people in more positive ways and not just uh, uh, to be more sociable is all I meant, uh, I guess. Uh, if you learn to be more sociable, I mean, you could be a poor kid and with the proper, uh, I guess, uh, sociability, able to sort of, uh, maybe it goes into looks and all sorts of other things too. So I, I, there's so many factors, but I, you know, I did see poor kids who were kind of poor like me, but they seemed to fit in okay. They didn't get picked on so much because they knew how to talk to them or whatever, I guess. But if you didn't, didn't have it, 
I was I was raised in a Christian family, and I'd been put in private schools the first part of my life, and then I was homeschooled. But I was rebellious. So when I got to there, I remember the first time I heard someone say "fuck you," I was just like, and I, I responded. I responded back, "Well, fuck you." <laughs> of course, I mean they're just gonna tear you up if you do that. Mm-hmm. You know, you just cannot respond like that to, to kids just throwing around like, "Yeah, fuck you." They just that was a way they just breathed insults in the schools that I went to. Right. And I was completely out of my element. I had no idea how to talk like that. And so you can I grew up in those schools and I didn't get it either, so don't feel bad. <laughs> right. Goodwill goodwill kid, huh? Yeah. Um I went through uh, because I didn't know that you're not supposed to cross your legs. Right. Oh, great. Now, you know, it's the thing is, is that, um, it, you know, my experience in the inner city uh, with this particular issue is even worse uh, because there, you know, even in the most economically deprived areas, you'd think that maybe this would be less important. The reality was the opposite. You know, uh, there were kids getting shot over their $120 pump-up sneakers. I don't know if you remember those. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, they were getting shot over their leather jackets. You know, it was so important to have these things that, you know, they were willing to kill each other over it. And, you know, that's obviously... Yeah, that was the Air Jordan era, I think. Right, and it's it was so ridiculous... Um, and and in the, the and that was in the lower area. Maybe you're more likely to get shot there. But I still ironically remember being more well adjusted to the low income area because I knew how to avoid the problem there. Whereas when I lived in the high income area with my father for a while, the rich snobby kids actually drove me to the edge a lot more. Um, as ironic as that is, uh, because it, it, they really controlled every aspect of your life. They controlled everything. They controlled what you listened to, what you wore, who your friends were. You know, we talked a lot about this on the the homeschooling episode. So I'll talk to you know suggest to people go back and watch the homeschooling episode, or I'd rather listen to it because we cover a lot of these issues about the different quote unquote social adjustments we get when we go to prep, you know public schools. But um, Anyway, I got a little more blog to read, and then we'll we'll finish our conversation today. Uh, all right, so a great deal of businesses derive almost half of their overall profits uh, from holiday sales. Uh, there are so many industries built around the holidays themselves, including the decorations and all the other facets of these holidays. You know, the Christmas tree business, the you know the Christmas decoration business. You know, and the same thing with Thanksgiving, you know, Halloween, all of it. You see it when the holiday decorations for the next holiday are already on display before the food from the last holiday is even cold. Now, I read that before. I just wanted to go over that one more time. But anyway, uh, you were taught the amount of money you spend on someone for these holidays is a critical measure of how much you care for them. You might literally feel guilty if you did not spend enough on them. Big business pushes these holidays as they basically enslave the consumer cult masses to give them sacrifices on those days. Hallmark the company known for its greeting cards, decided that there was not enough holidays and that apparently Valentine's Day was not making them enough money. So they created another holiday known as Sweetest Day out of thin air. They didn't what? That, yeah, Sweetest Day was created by Hallmark out of thin air. Um, uh-huh. They did not even have to have a religious excuse. They simply guilt-tripped consumers into the understanding that if you didn't get your significant other something on their created holiday, that it meant you did not care about them and then fostered the idea that if your significant other did not get anything for you on this day, that it meant they did not care for you. 
Quite literally, Swedish Day was a manufactured holiday created by Hallmark Corporation out of nowhere and was embraced and still is practiced. You know, I've never heard of it. Yep, Swedish Day. Uh, so, so what if I? You know, so what is it that I'm against? Am I against giving things to my friends and family? Am I against spending time with my friends and family? Am I against the spirit of giving? Quite the opposite. As I stated earlier, I feel that the real spirit of giving comes from one person to another, that it should, ha- should, that it should need no excuse, and that it should also not be an obligation, like he was pointing out earlier. You are socially punished for not giving gifts during these consumer holidays. People are taught to believe you think less of them if you do not give them gifts on these days. And that, in turn, makes you even more obligated to give them gifts for fear of being thought of as someone who does not care. Personally, I think the idea that I am obligated to give someone something means that it is not a gift. Such a notion is actually more akin to settling a debt. Is that what this is about? Is it about debt I owe to people I care about? Or should it be about the elation I feel when I make someone happy you know, who has made me happy? So my suggestion is this. Don't wait for the holidays to show those you care about that you care. Don't go out of your way to do so on the days the corporations have chosen for you, because that means that you are only doing so as you are obligated to do so. Give out of your own sense of caring and devotion to the people in your life when you are ready to, and when you find something that would truly make them happy, do as I did and free yourself from the consumer cult practice that gift-giving belongs to corporations. Take it back for yourself and those you love. So, Aaron, you had some points on this, actually. It's like, you know, once again, great minds think alike. And I wanted to go ahead and now go give your spiel, because now that's what we're talking about. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, even this this morning, I mean, I, I really just cringed when I got given a gift this morning, because it's like, oh, God, you know, I, I don't want to be literally stuck in that debt cycle, you know, I it makes it makes me not want to participate. I mean, that's my nature. I'm generally rebellious to to uh, these kinds of social pressures. So it's you know, when I once I get the the, the real sense that I'm being manipulated, not, it's not from the people who are in my family, but just from the the, the whole scenario. Then I, I have a, a sense of resistance, and I and I, I'm I'm going to withdraw from that event. Until I can make sense of it in my head, and you know, if there wasn't any family at stake here, there's absolutely no chance that I would have been there this morning to to open those presents. Or you know, and if if, and if I could have socially done so without insulting somebody, I would have you know handed the present back and said, "No, please don't." <laughs> but you know, it gets so complicated when you mix in family stuff too, because it, you know, just because I wake up about something doesn't mean Everybody else in the family is going to be awake about it. So it's I, I dread Christmas. It's just one of those experiences that it just uh, it, it's a horrible, horrible thing to be awake during uh, during a time like that because it's well, I guess I, some people are more enlightened than me and they can just be jolly about it. But I, I'm not able to do that yet. That's actually a really powerful statement that you made there, and it's it's kind of relevant to the point I was making in the blog, is also it's just a matter of, you know, if someone gets you something for Christmas, is it as genuine a gift as when someone just gets you something? You know, um, are they doing it because they're socially expected to do it? Because as you pointed out, you almost felt like if it weren't for the fact that I would, you know, lose family over this, you know, 
and not really lose, but you know what I mean. You know, they'd be upset or whatever. I wouldn't be doing it. Yeah. You know, it's so what does it mean at that point? It's just like the Muslims who say, you know, there is to be no compulsion in religion. You know, what kind of faith do you have if I had to force you to, to feel that way? It's the same basic thing for me, and it's just it's like you're you're robbed of it because at that point I'm doing it because I'm expected to do it. And does it mean anything? Does it mean the same thing? You know, I mean, that's like the thing for me. For example, I despise Sweetest Day and I despise Valentine's Day. But when I'm in a relationship, I tend to be the romantic type. And any time I happen to see something, it may not even be a very big something. That's another thing about the monetary value of gifts. You know, it's like um, I had an ex who was really into Rocher chocolates. So I'd pick her up the, the little three packages of Rocher chocolates any time I saw them in a store. Not because it was Sweetest Day, not because it was Valentine's Day, but because I loved that person and I wanted to give them something because I loved them. You know, and to me, that is a real gift. You know, to me, that is when you're actually sharing something. And I think that, especially, that's the other thing that you pointed out, is the pressure, like I talked about earlier in the blog, and um, I'd like to converse with about as well, I should, probably should have paused there, but is the attitude of the fact that we become... Like these holidays are meant to serve us, supposedly, but we end up becoming servants of these holidays, and people get really stressed out, you know, if if they don't have everything just right. You know, I wasn't that that story about that mother walking in and beating up that guy. That was not fake. I, I just sat there with my mouth open, going, "Holy crap!" You know, because she was furious that he didn't show up at time and, you know, that all the food was cold now and, you know, know, all the work she did was for nothing and just started yelling and screaming, you know, and just like, I was like, holy crap, really? You know, I'm like, you know, if if the food was for him, what the hell are you beating him up for? (laughs) You know, and I just, I said that once and then the the, the father looked at me like, just stay out of this, okay? And I'm like, gladly, (laughs) you know, it's like, because I couldn't believe what I was looking at, you know, It's basically, you know, the idea that these holidays are supposed to be something where we're all supposed to be sharing and loving each other. You know, whereas, you know, the the joking argument I made about stuffing, I've seen those arguments before. I've seen couples get into fights because the, the, the father forgot to bring the cranberry sauce. You know, I've seen, you know, people flip out because they didn't get the right gift for the son that they wanted or, you know, and that's what leads to this ridiculousness, like trampling people to death on Black Friday is that we really have a lot of pressure on us to believe that if we don't abide by the, the, the social rules of these holidays, that we are not, you know, that there's something wrong with us. It reminds me actually of that part of uh, Annie Leonard's The Story of Stuff, when she talks about the golden arrow of consumption. Uh, you know? And I guess on Christmas, the golden arrow of consumption is about three times as big, because... You know, as she pointed out, you know, like when she used the example of the uh, of the the high heeled shoes and how it's fat shoes one year, you know, fat soles one year and thin soles the next. And you know, if you're not participating in that, then you know everyone's going to look down on you because you're not contributing to the golden era of consumption. Ah, as much as they are, <laughs> they kept playing the music every time, and it was great. You know, um, and that, I guess that all kind of plays into the fact that you know, in addition to that, they have what they call the holiday blues. Um, I researched this because I had heard that uh, suicide rates went up during the holidays, but apparently current studies are saying that that's a myth. But they do admit that there's a lot more stress and a lot more depression and a lot more other problems, especially if you happen to be someone who lives alone. The holidays remind you that you're living alone, you know, more than anything else. And that can be very depressing. So um, now, Gregory, do you want to comment on what we said so far? 
No, I'm good. I'm good. Chibi? Uh, no, I'm, what you were just saying is sort of what I was trying to hint to earlier about uh, being home alone on Christmas type of thing. Right. Now, when we were talking about, you said you were reminded of Family Guy. Was there something in Family Guy that happened that I missed? Oh, it's just this, uh, I don't know, it's a funny show sometimes, but uh, Lois goes crazy on one of their Christmas specials. And uh, when you were talking about the lady beating a guy up, I just suddenly got an image of uh, Lois uh, throwing the turkey through a window and, like, climbing, you know, just kind of going nuts. Uh, she kills the, uh, what was that, snow, Frosty the Snowman or something, and she, like, brutally murders him. <laughs> I don't know. No, that's actually very telling when you think <clears throat> about it. Um, and so that social hysteria that I guess, you know, as we are kind of pointing out, a lot of the people in this particular show don't have any um, experience with. That's another thing, folks. Um, if anybody would like to call in, um, to uh, contribute to this conversation, the guest call-in number is 347-945-7747. Um, if you would prefer to be added via Skype, add me on your Skype. It's V as in Victor, T as in Tom, V as in Victor, so VTV115. If you add that on Skype, send me a message, and I'll add you to the call to contribute to this discussion if you have any stories to add. So, um, But yeah, that's... Uh, it's basically, as I was getting at, was the culmination of so many different things are brought together on Christmas. And the funny thing is, is that, you know, when when we're thought of it, that this is the time that we can be free. I just, the whole time that I'm at, for example, some kind of family gathering, I spend the whole time kind of feeling like there's a certain role I need to play. You know, I can't talk about certain topics. I have to be sure that I'm dressed appropriately. Um, and in addition to that, it it's also tends to be a time when the kind of interaction you have with other people is not really necessarily very meaningful. You know, uh, it goes back to that Prozac generation stuff I said during the Occupy Detroit show, where everybody there just kind of acts medicated. You don't really talk about controversial topics. You know, so the kinds of conversations that people like, well, everyone on this call has, you wouldn't have at a Christmas dinner. At least not in most families that I've ever seen. You know, um, so, I mean, for example, uh, well, actually, I'll just go ahead and open the floor. Um, do you have any comments on that, Aaron? I I, uh, I mean, I've sometimes brought these kinds of conversations into Christmas dinners. It didn't go very well. <laughs> yeah, no, same here. <laughs> yeah, same. I do it all the time. <laughs> Our family got to where they really... Yeah. We're not happy with the way I was dealing with Christmas. I mean, I've like I, I've been at war with Christmas probably four years now, like fully declared war. And then before that, I was just kind of hesitant. But um, yeah, I mean, it's 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 it really is. It's it's uncomfortable. It's I mean, I find it. I find myself just shutting down when I'm in a, an environment where I can't be myself. That's my response usually, and that's been my response this whole week. It's it's. I I don't do the the um, small talk and, and the social chatter. I just can't do it. Uh, I don't have any place in my mind that works in that context. So I just I didn't end up usually you know sitting in a on a couch alone and until I find a, an appropriate moment to scoot on upstairs and do something else. Right. What about you, Gregory? 
Uh, you know, I don't really have family anymore. I mean, I'm getting to that age where most of my uh, up family on the letter on the level above me has passed away or been gone. So, um, uh, I have family up in Nevada that I go visit when I can afford to. Actually, why don't you share that story about that conversation you had with your daughter? Oh, yeah. It wasn't really a conversation. It was a, she posted something on Facebook, and, and, of course, she's just turned 16, so she's starting to, well, I say wake up. She's waking up to some things she shouldn't have to, but that's another story. And But she's waking up to the realities uh, of this planet. And one of them she expressed on her Facebook uh, yesterday by saying it just doesn't something about it just doesn't feel like Christmas this year. And when asked to explain that, she said something to the effect of, you know, when I was a little girl, innocent and still believed in Santa Claus, uh, there were cookies and decorations and it's just not like that anymore. So. I don't know, that hit home for me uh, in, a, in a positive way, really, because I like that she's waking up to the realities of something that, as we've been discussing on this show, is an aberrancy more, more than it is a positive thing these days. Yeah, and it's it's interesting though that you know your your teenager kind of pointed that out, and and many teenagers are still plugged into this stuff, and it's actually a testament to good parenting skills on your part, you know. Um, th- but to say that it's uh, because unfortunately teenagers are usually probably the most wrapped up in it. I mean, well, I mean they don't believe in Santa Claus anymore, but you know, they're no, but they sure believe in having the latest iPhone or right electric guitar or whatever the case may be under that tree on Christmas Day. By God. Or right. they're gonna piss off, you know. For sure, for sure. And it's now, I'm fortunate in that my daughter has never been like that. She's never um behaved like that because she's never been brought up under those under that environment to expect um all this stuff. So she doesn't get upset when she doesn't get something. She just understands that it is the way it is. You know, and that's um, that's another thing that I, I talk about frequently on other shows is that I never expose my children to advertising, and as a result, they don't care what toys they, they don't get. want. They don't have that 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 um, uh, almost brainwashed desire to go purchase something or right. have something that someone else needs to go purchase, because that you know that that is injected into our psyche through advertising. And I mean, it's everywhere. It's not just TV. It's not just radio. You can't go anywhere without seeing an ad for something for sale. Right. Somewhere. And and it's it's totally plugged into that. And obviously, yeah. the ad revenue goes up, you know, um, as uh, the holidays come forward. And it's that's why the the money system is really plugged into this. And it's going to be a self perpetuating issue, I think, um, for many many years to come. And uh, the other thing that I noticed about it is that you you tend to be it, it's one of those social situations where uh family can become somewhat exploitive in that you're kind of expected to put up with crap from your family during the holidays that you wouldn't put up with otherwise because you don't want to ruin christmas right you know 
And as if the other person isn't ruining Christmas for you already by doing whatever it is they're doing that's annoying the hell out of you. But um, I ended up actually having, you know, more uh, meaningful gatherings with my friends. Uh, A lot of that has to do with the fact that, mind you, most of my family has also passed away. But, you know, um, but it was more interesting to me in in the same way, I guess, that, (laughs) you know, how relationships have more fire in them when you're not married, (laughs) some people believe. You know, for me, when the, you know when I'm having gatherings with friends for special occasions, you know, because none of us is obligated to be there, you know, it almost has more of a a magic to it, you know, because we are, you know, all there of choice and enjoying one another's company, and there's no pressure, you know. And yeah, isn't it nice to want to and not have to? Sure. Doesn't that make a 180 degree difference in your attitude? Uh, about whatever it may be when you want to instead of have to. What were you going to say, Chidi? It's the more zen way, spontaneous. There you go. (laughs) Did you have something to add to that too, Aaron? I thought I heard you key up. Um, No, I guess I haven't fully worked out how the rest of my life is going to be in that context. Good. Well, conversations like this hopefully will will be part of something you consider when you're making these decisions. Um, you know, for me, uh, there was something I always wanted when I was a kid, and uh, it was Rodimus Prime, the Transformer. And yeah, uh, I, I was going to say, please don't say a, a BB. What's that BB gun in that movie? That Red <laughs> Rider BB gun or something? No, it wasn't a BB gun. I could never get my mom to buy me a gun anyway. But um, but either way, uh, the um, you know it was Optimus. Rodimus Prime was this oh, really Rod- hard to find Transformer. Oh, Not wow. Optimus, Rodimus. He's the one who came after the you know the movie. And um, I was one of the weird people that actually liked that character and. Um, and the the funny thing about it is that I never got one um, pretty much throughout my entire childhood. And uh, Well, I'm sure you didn't think it was funny when you weren't getting it back then. No, 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 I did not think it was funny. Um, you know, and it, but I ended up much later in life, ironically, it was one of the things that I had set for myself as a goal. <laughs> you know, I will get this damn thing. And um, I, I am now going to share with the audience that... Uh, uh, three, pretty much through every B radio broadcast, there's been a, a Rodimus Prime sitting on my desk. <laughs> in, I don't even know what that is. I was going to say, you could probably find them all day long on eBay now. Yeah, yeah, in, in vehicle form, sitting up on my desk. Um, Rodimus was originally Hot Rod, for those of you who don't remember Transformers. Um, and uh, it, during the movie, he, he picked up the Matrix of Leadership and became the uh, the leader after Optimus Prime died, which was... Ironically, another um, what I found out later, which was kind of interesting, was that that whole thing was a uh, um, was a marketing trick. Was that they were having trouble getting the kids interested in the new toys that they were coming out with, so they decided they were going to kill off a bunch of the old toys and then introduce the new ones that way. I mean, it was, it was actually really uh, the death of Optimus Prime was this horrible memory in many children's lives of that age because he was kind of like the the father of that generation. Um, and it was all meant that's to, sad. yeah, I know. That's a, that's a sad version of, uh, uh, planned obsolescence, isn't it? Uh, it is. Um, and you know, the funny thing is, is that, you know, my kids watch Transformers now and it doesn't really bother me because, you know, they're not being exposed to the commercials that make them want to buy the toys every five seconds. So they could just watch the content and, 
um, the, the characters in those, those those cartoons were actually much better role models, ironically, than the, the cartoons that I've seen nowadays. You know, a lot of my basic understanding of right and wrong and wanting to be, you know, wanting to help people, you know, came from my exposure to characters like the Transformers. And, you know, as opposed to some of the crap I see people watching nowadays, like SpongeBob or whatever, you know, I just, I, I don't hey, even... Hey, 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 don't um, be hating on SpongeBob. Sorry about that, Aaron. <laughs> No, I'm just kidding. I don't have a TV. <laughs> I, just, I just felt like I had to interject there. But um, the, the point, though, is just that I, I went through so many Christmases never getting this thing. And I have him you now, you know, sitting on my desk. And, I, and uh, it, it's one of the, the few objects. I've always had a weakness for action figures. And um, I, I think that, uh, you know, when we were talking also about, because this is another thing I wanted to bring up that was in the um, one of the different articles. Uh, for millions of Americans, families, there will be no Christmas this year. The sad truth is that an increasing number of families simply do not have money for Christmas presents or any other luxuries right now. The number of Americans that fell into poverty set an all-time record last year, and extreme poverty is at the highest level ever measured in the United States. This Christmas, a lot of American families will be deciding whether to spend the little money that they do have on food, heat, or medicine. All over America, the poor are getting poorer, and each year, the, uh, each year the economic pain seems to get even worse. But there are also many American families that will have no Christmas this year for other reasons. Some are just sick and tired of all the materialism that is involved in Christmas. Others are trying to be politically correct and don't want to offend anyone. There are even a growing number of Americans that are Christians that believe that Christians should not celebrate Christmas for spiritual reasons. Once upon a time, Christmas was pretty much considered to be a nearly universal holiday in the United States, but that is just not the case anymore. There are millions upon millions of Americans that simply will not be celebrating Christmas this year. Perhaps then you and your family are swimming in Christmas gifts this year, but when you don't have enough money for even the basics, buying Christmas gifts can be an extreme financial burden. What some people are willing to do to buy Christmas gifts is absolutely incredible. For example, one soldier up in Michigan actually pawned his purple heart medals so that he could pay his Christmas bills. Can you imagine? Other Americans are eliminating Christmas presents altogether this year because the money simply is not there. The following story comes from a recent article in USA Today. Others have no choice but to downsize Christmas. Kate Pearson, 33, a single mom in Atlanta, lost her secretarial job in January and has told her two children that they are starting new traditions this year. They drew a festive six-foot tree on craft paper and taped it to a wall instead of gifts, which I can't afford, we're writing letters to each other that we will open on Christmas morning, she says. We're going to tell each other what we love about our family. And that's it. This year, American families are hurting more than at any other time in recent memory. An astounding 57% of all children in the United States now live in homes that are either considered to be low-income or impoverished. Needless to say, there are going to be a whole lot of children with hollow feeling in their stomachs this Christmas morning. Not everyone out there gets to open up giant piles of presents on the morning of December 25th. The sad truth is that there are not nearly enough good jobs out there for everyone. Unemployment is rampant, and the official government statistics dramatically understate this reality. The number of Americans considered to be looking for work was the same t today as it was back in 2007. The official unemployment rate put out by the U.S. government would be up by up to 11%. But the Obama administration does not want to report double-digit unemployment numbers. They want people to feel good about the economy. Meanwhile, the number of good jobs continues to decline and income continues to fail. You may be doing very well right now, but there are vast numbers of families that are stretched to the limit financially. Electricity bills in the United States have risen faster than the overall rate of inflation for five years in a row. 
A lot of people out there are having a really hard time coming up with enough money to heat their homes this winter. And more than 46 million Americans are being fed by the federal government right now. Incredibly, more than one out of every seven Americans is on food stamps, and one of every four American children is on food stamps at this point. But that doesn't mean that the materialism is dead in the United States. Large numbers of Americans that still do have money are very much enjoying the consumerist lifestyle. Last night, we saw once again how crazy Americans can get when it comes to consumer products. The rioting and fights over the new Air Jordan shoes that were just released made headlines all over the nation. In Charlotte, WSOCV-TV reported that police were called to at least three malls, including one where glass was smashed from a door. The officers were ordering people out of the mall. Louisville Court, yeah, we actually read about that earlier, but at this point, shopping has become a great American pastime. We love to buy stuff. Unfortunately, a lot of us have to go very deeply into debt to buy all this stuff. If you can believe it, one out of every seven Americans has at least ten credit cards. Thankfully... A growing number of Americans are getting turned off by all this materialism. A lot of people have decided that they are going to celebrate Christmas without buying a bunch of presents for everybody. The following example comes from the same USA Today article about referenced above. Jim Tarnell Arnold, 56, a writer in Los Angeles, spent Christmas in Brazil a few years ago. The low-key approach there, he says, made him realize he could disconnect from consumerism and redefine his own holiday. He stopped buying gifts and sending cards, but he says he still looks forward to the parties and the cookies. People drive themselves over crazy, over crazy over Christmas, he says, and I don't think many of them are really happy about it. Kind of plays into what Chibi was saying earlier about they get this stuff, but they're not happy. There's even a website out there called <coughs> Buy Nothing Christmas that encourages people to think differently about Christmas presents. The trend toward a less materialistic Christmas is really starting to catch on, especially as the economy continues to get weaker. For some Americans, however, the reason is not celebrating Christmas has nothing to do with either economy or materialism, Many Americans have decided that the politically correct thing to do is either not celebrate Christmas at all or to celebrate it as a non-religious holiday. So um, this actually kind of brings up an interesting point that we also talked about on a different show, um, was just the fact that material items don't necessarily make somebody happy. I had two different shows on this topic. Actually, the first show that you'll find in the V-Radio archives by an accident of just what happened when I entered it is called... Um, the. Um, the reason that money and the stuff we buy with it does not make you happy. And then I had a great interv um, interview with a lady who wrote a book on the topic because minimalist lifestyles are becoming more and more common. And that kind of you know, basically segues into the point that we do get all this stuff and we get that moment of elation. Um, I guess the question really is, uh, other than the people who buy more, basically buy gifts that are more practical, um, how does this compare, you know, as far as like to how much of this stuff does it actually does it actually make our lives better? Do we come away from Christmas feeling that our lives are better because of that one day where we got some stuff? I, I guess another question I would have is is how much of the appeal is the surprise, not knowing what's in there, the anticipation? We know those things are chemically addictive. So um, since we're down now to the last ten minutes of the show, I'm going to give everybody just an opportunity to kind of comment a little bit on that. And um, anything else that comes to mind? I'm going to start with you, Aaron. With me? Oh, I thought I was the last person. Um, you know, it's interesting, actually. I've been so um, down talking about Christmas because I'm here with my in-laws. But um, I did actually succeed in getting my my family on my side to um, to only buy one present for each kid, for the whole family. Mm -hmm. So that was, you know, that's an improvement because <laughs> it's kind of shocking this morning, you know, to see just the absolute orgy of plastic you know, just spread out over the floor. It's like, <laughs> I mean, 
I have no idea how much money was spent, but I mean, they don't even have, they have piles and piles and piles and piles of toys. I'm, I'm actually standing among them right now um, downstairs. Like, these are old toys and it just accumulates, it accumulates and it accumulates. So, I mean, at the, at the very least, if you can convince them down just to one present per kid per year, as a, you know, at least on the family level, um, then you've accomplished something, and it's it's a lot less expensive. So it is actually something you can make headway with if you, if you basically convince them that hey, this way we we only have to buy one present. We all choose what kid we're going to buy for, and um, you know, no need to put ourselves into that into debt over it. But uh, yeah, I mean, I I remember watching. I used to work at, at a restaurant with. Um, you know this immigrant uh, woman, and she, she was making seven dollars an hour, and she was telling me about how um, you know they had to take out a credit card debt in order to, to buy, pay, finish paying for Christmas. And I was like, how how much did you how much did you guys spend? I mean, I, I couldn't conceive of that. And she was like, oh, four thousand dollars. <laughs> four thousand dollars? You make seven dollars an hour? Are you serious? And you're not even from this country, and you're already picking it up. So I guess what I what I would say to there is that I guess it is it is worth um, using that monetary um, argument and trying to make the, the the fight. You know, try to try to get people to to compromise it on some on some levels. Maybe you won't get people to give it up completely, but um, it, it can be done. Gregory. Yeah, you know, it's just, I mean, the whole thing I've come to realize, um, is, as I said earlier, alluded to earlier, is just is part of a bigger picture, which is the, the culture that promotes it. And uh, I, I I get sad during, during Christmas, actually now, in the last three years since I've been exposed to all these new ideas, because um, just to see the robotic behavior... Um, of people that are asleep. I mean, for lack of a better word, they're asleep to what's going on. Um, and it's a shame to see that. It, it makes me actually sad. But it also empowers me to want to spread uh, the awareness uh, of a better way, uh, which is obviously an RBE. If everyone was provided access to the necessities and even some of the luxuries of life that they exchange on Christmas, there would be no need for any of this. Uh, wouldn't that be? Wouldn't that talk about freedom? You want true freedom? Get rid of Christmas. <laughs> I am more free today. I feel more free today, having not participated in the holiday whatsoever, than I've ever felt in all the, all the years that I've been on this planet. And I'll leave with that. Chibi. Well, it's going to be a hard act to follow. <laughs> Ready to say amen at the end. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I, I agree with everything Thunder and Aaron have both said. Uh, I I guess I never really celebrated Christmas, so, uh, it you know, I, I don't have as much to say about that. Uh, I mean, one thing that I didn't point out earlier that, that popped in my head was uh, – that you had mentioned sort of the, the forced altruism of the situation, like and people start thinking like you see the Christmas specials, where you know 
you got to help the homeless guy on Christmas, right? Like suddenly it's a big deal because it's Christmas. Now we have to be altruistic and pick up the hitchhiker or whatever random thing happens on those stupid movies. I don't know if you know what I'm talking about. No, I know exactly what you mean. (laughs) I mentioned that in the blog too. Go ahead. Oh, right. Well, so um, that, that bothers me a lot about the whole Christmas spirit idea, that, that idea that there's a certain spirit around Christmas and you attach it to that time of year and then what about the rest? Um, as far as the rest, I mean, I I really don't celebrate any holidays or birthdays or any of that. So uh, Christmas to me just falls into a long list of, you know, outdated ideas for me. Birthdays are actually a Roman holiday as well. <laughs> and, yeah. and that's why... Uh, Jehovah's Witnesses don't celebrate them. <laughs> I didn't know that. <laughs> yep. Um, a lot of little things. Uh, Jehovah's Witnesses are one of the only like honest groups of the Christian group that I've ever seen about the nature of their. Um, you know, at least they they recognize. Nope, that's pagan. That's pagan. That's pagan. You know, it's well, fun too because nobody wants to talk to them about it. <laughs> in that context, sure, but they also don't. If they don't take blood transfusions because they've they've uh, <laughs> understood that to be. Uh, drinking blood. <laughs> okay. Apparently, in the Bible somewhere, you're not supposed to do that. Touche, touche. Oh yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying. No, no, no. You're you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. Um, as as logical and and level-headed as some of their beliefs seem, you know, it, it's far outweighed by the crazy ones. No, for sure. You know, and you know, and for me though, like as an atheist, when I had to reevaluate these things. You know, I don't have a problem celebrating birthdays because I feel it's an appreciation for somebody that I care about. You know, um, and in fact, ironically, in our group of friends, uh, a lot of birthdays in our group of friends happen to fall in February. So we have this big birthday party that we do, um, which to me is actually more important to me than any Christmas holiday, any you know, any other holidays. In fact, I, it's probably one of the only large gatherings that I intentionally attend, and it's because it's something spontaneous that me and my friends decided to do you know, um, for each other on that day. And it means a lot more to me, to be honest, uh, in the long run. Now, and and I guess, you know, to to finally uh, cap things off here, um, uh, first of all, uh, there are other shows that you guys should check out. Uh, as I said, um, you know, money and, you know, why the stuff we buy that doesn't make us happy. Um, check out the uh, homeschooling show that I was talking about in regards to those issues. Uh, I had an interview with the the author who ended up being part of the article from that as well. I'll have to look up her name again, but great show about how people have you know limited the amount of stuff they have in their lifestyles and how it has positively affected them and actually made their lifestyles far less stressful. Um, but the the other final thing, folks, is that and I know and I know it's difficult and it's one of the reasons this is controversial. It's like you don't want to be against giving gifts. You don't want to be against caring about people. And that that's not really it. Um, it. It more has to do with uh, what I'm suggesting to people is that don't give gifts because they're expected of you. Give gifts because you care about someone. You know, don't rush out on Black Friday to be sure that you get a gift for somebody, you know, at the appointed time that is, you know, that has been funneled for you. You know, don't just wait for Sweetest Day, the artificially created holiday to tell the person that you're in a relationship with that you care about them. You know, do this on your own. Do this for yourself. Something I would add to that is actually to focus less on the idea of gift giving and more on the idea of sharing. And if you do that all the way around with those that you want to share with, you know, that is the gift. Sure. 
Well said. So, thanks again, for everybody, for tuning into the V Radio Christmas special. Um, <laughs> you can check out um, Aaron's work on. Uh, I have links to his website on my website uh, in the links section, but it's also waitingforthestorm.com. Um, and where does where's the best place for people to check out Z Radio Thunder? On ZBN uh, Live, the ZBN Network on Stickcam. Um, they just did a really great show about the what was the, what was the name of that stupid thing that they passed again? Oh, I don't. The, the I'd have to look it up. The, <laughs> and Aaron know. could probably rattle it off. NDAA. Yeah. yeah NDAA. Oh yeah. So yeah, crazy stuff. You yeah, can check that out. That's actually a new segment that we're creating. That's going to be just uh, a new Go podcast. Ahead. So come check that out. Excellent, excellent. Thanks again, everybody. Say goodbye. Goodbye. Bye, bye, everybody. Thanks for having me. No problem. Thanks again for tuning in. This is Roxanne Meadows. And this is John Fresco. And you're listening to V Radio.